Well, we're going to be back in, in Romans 11. It's definitely been a few days since we've been here, but we're going to keep working on this. We're def- definitely getting close to the end. So will you please find Romans 11? And I'm going to read to you... Um, I'm going to read 1 through 7, okay? And uh, we'll, this is going to be a little bit of just quick review. We're going to make some more... Uh, progress in this. But let's start in chapter 11, verse 1, asking this question that has been really the theme of Romans since chapter 9. The question is asked is a a question of argumentation, a, a, a a question to get the thinkers who are reading this letter to be thinking. He asks, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God? against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets, torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then, at this present time, there is a remnant, according to the election of grace, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. But the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. In a couple of minutes, we're going to look at 8, 9, 10, and 11 here. But we meet this question again here that Paul has been grappling with and working on from all the way back in chapter 9. Has God cast away His people? And you might remember, and if you don't remember, you could flip back to the beginning of chapter 9. Paul begins saying something along the lines of, I could wish that I myself were cut off from God. I I wish that I could be accursed and, and I would trade that if my people Israel could be saved. So this question is on his mind and he's concerned for the spiritual state of the people of Israel. He says that he, Paul, is a Jew. And so this is part of the answer to the first question. Has God cast off his people? Has God turned them out? Has he put them away? And his answer is no. Part of the proof that God hasn't done that is me, Paul. I am saved. 
I am one of the people who is rightly expecting eternal life according to this gospel that I have been teaching you. Paul is affirming how truthful and how right this gospel is. He says that back earlier we read, Not all Israel is Israel. And when Paul said, Not all Israel is Israel, probably the thing that you need to keep straightest in your head is there is such thing as a spiritual Israel and there is such thing as a natural Israel. And so, all Jews, all Israelites, expected that God had blessed them because of Abraham. All Israelites ex expected, we will know heaven. We know God's peace. We're God's people. God promised to Abraham. And when Paul said, not all are Israel who are from Israel, this is kind of like a, what are you talking about moment for the listeners of Paul's gospel. In other words, he said, not everybody who was born in the family tree of Abraham is the people of Israel. Who is the people of Israel? Israel is the family tree of who? Where does Israel come from? And Paul explained, he taught them, don't you remember that after Abraham received the promise, there were two sons born to Abraham? And you, you know the answer to this. You remember the truthfulness of this. Who is the son who can claim to be the son of God's promise? Ishmael? No. Isaac? Yes. Only one of the sons born of Abraham was going to prove to be spiritual Israel. And the way Paul talked about it in chapter 9 was, he said, God is choosing and God is making the people of Israel that he has determined he's going to make. And so we had Isaac, not Ishmael, and then there was children of the next family in the family tree. Who were those two children? you remember the two children born next that he refers to? It's the children of Rebekah. And she has two sons. And to Rebekah, it was said by the Spirit, the older will serve the younger. Jacob is going to be the one through whom comes the promise. Through whom is going to be Israel. When Paul says, not all are Israel who are from Israel. This is what he's talking about. The children of the promise. The children of election. The children of faith. Are the children of the promise. Verse 7 here reminds us. Look what it says in verse 7. I believe it's in I think it's in nine nine seven. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. 
Who is born into God's promises? Who is going to inherit the fruit of God's promises? All of Israel was the easy answer, but it was the wrong answer. It's the Israel of promise. It's the Israel of God's election. God is not going to cast off his people, which is the question we're thinking about. God has not cast them off. What has he done? He is building them according to his own word, but also in a way that the men and women of Israel didn't really at first remember. They didn't understand. God is going to do this according to his own word and according to his own promises. Israel, who is national Israel, has pursued a certain kind of righteousness. Now, this is important for all of you to begin to consider here, because almost everybody you know is afraid to do what's wrong too much. Almost everybody you know wants to do right. And in their own hearts and in their own minds, the things they do are right. They are justifiable. No matter what they do. And there's obviously some exceptions to this. But men typically don't live in a way that they think is ultimately wrong. They might defy their mother or their father. They might defy their wife or their husband. But in their own hearts, they feel, I'm doing what's right. It's okay. Okay, so this next topic that I'm going to talk to you about is called the righteousness of slumber. And we're going to see a reference here in Romans 11 to slumbering Israel. But Israel is pursuing and has been pursuing a righteousness. Israel wants to be righteous. They want to have that label. Why? Because when men die, or some men even believe that now, if you do unrighteously now, it's going to come back and get you. You better do what's right. And God-fearing people know that when they die, they're going to come before God's judgment, and God is going to judge people. Are they righteous or are they not righteous? Israel possesses a righteousness... And I'm calling it a righteousness of their slumber. Righteousness of their slumber. Do you remember what Paul did before he was born again? Paul killed Christians. Paul arrested Christians. Paul actually had gotten a letter from the Jewish rulers in Jerusalem and was on his way to Macedonia with special orders to arrest and persecute Christians. This is what kind of a man he was. Is that God's will? Is that God's plan? Is that his desire? No. Paul was an avowed, open enemy of God. Was Paul doing right? Ask Paul. Meet him on the street. Paul, are you doing right? Are you a righteous man? Yes, he says. I am... One of the only men of Jerusalem. 
One of the only men of Israel who has a right zeal for God's righteousness. As he goes to Macedonia to arrest and kill God's disciples. And what he learned on the way to Macedonia was that he was not a man of God's righteousness. He was actually a great sinner against God. Now, again, this is why you and I are especially interested in this subject we're thinking about in Romans 11. Paul was zealous with a righteousness for God, but he was ignorant of God's righteousness. And remember, Romans is the book that tells you how to have God's righteousness. God's righteousness. Without God's righteousness, the wrath of God is coming for you. This letter is to warn men and women and particularly religious men and women to seek after God's righteousness. Romans 10.3 Just flip back a little bit or maybe it's just on the opposite page. Look at Romans 10.3 They, the Jews, the Israelites being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Israel National Israel is the most religious people in the world and they do not have God's righteousness. And this is how Paul is explaining to us why there is a difference between national Israel and Israel of promise. Skip ahead to Romans chapter 11 and verse 7. And think about the irony of maybe one of Paul's peers. Or think about the irony of a regular church attender somewhere in California. A person who prays, goes to church, makes offerings sometimes. Romans 11.7 says, What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. What were they seeking? Righteousness. They wanted to have righteousness. They need the label of righteousness. Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. The Spirit says Israel pursues righteousness, but the elect obtain it, which maybe rightly creates some uncertainty in your own mind as to how this works. Does this mean that God has cast off Israel? If the elect have received righteousness and Israel is not, does that mean that God has cast off these ones who are not righteous? How does the apostle continue to defend God's faithfulness here? And I want you to listen how he develops this thought because it's really helpful for you and I understanding God's work in a man's life and in his heart, and then a man's response to God. Listen what he says, Romans chapter 11, verse 8. According as it is written, God has given them a spirit of slumber. This is the Jews we're talking about. Or, in the New King James, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that they should not see. 
ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their back always. Now read verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? The fall, the word fall there implying come to the very end, come to utter and total loss. He says, certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Their fall has been intended to provoke them to jealousy. The ones stumbling and falling is so that they might come to jealousy. I want to think with you for a moment now about the sleeping and the blind and the deaf or those who are in a stupor was what the New King James said and blind and deaf. This is a prophetic quote. This is a, a, a phrase borrowed from the Old Testament when he is teaching this to his audience. He's reminding them that God himself said this would be the case, this would be the condition of the Jews. And you realize, of course, that what he is speaking about is their spiritual discernment. The Israelites lack a spiritual discernment, don't they? When it says they're in a stupor, and it, when it says they can't see, you know that he's not saying their eyes have stopped functioning. He's saying they're not seeing truth from falseness. They're not discerning the true God and his honor versus the honor of men and the desire of men. They're not discerning Israelites. They're carnal Israelites. They're fleshly Israelites. They're thinking with their heads. They're thinking with their fleshly appetites. They're thinking with their greed. They're making decisions with their emotions. They are not a people who know God and love God and walk with God. They do not discern God. All they know is their own desire and their own will. They know the Bible. They know what's right and proper. They bring their offerings. They pray. And God has given them a spirit of stupor. God has caused them to see and not see as the Lord Jesus preached. They cause them to hear and not be able to hear. Their lives have all the proper doings. They do and they look like good folk. They're right and proper religious folk. But there is this prophesied dumbness that has become their reality. 
The words of the prophet has become true about these Jews. They are very dull spiritually, but they are very active in their congregations, in their spiritual world. All of their activity and all of their busyness and all their propriety is missing the main thing, who is God. God is the main thing. The great commandment, and you know the great commandment, love the Lord your God. If your religion does not include love for God, you are like these Israelites. You are like these people who have form, but they slumber, and they're blind, and they're deaf. Romans one twenty one said this to us already Romans one twenty one in the introduction to the, the to this gospel to this understanding he said because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened this is what has happened to most of national Israel you see that mark it underline that in your Bible Romans 121, they knew who he was. And now remember and think further with me as we read that and as we studied that many months ago. As man responds to God and his word, as men respond to Christ and his word, and as they respond to Christ's witness to them, men are responsible for their future. As they respond to what they hear, as they respond to what they are being taught, the way they respond to that becomes the prediction of their future. If they respond in faith, they are met with grace. And if they respond in unbelief, they disapprove God's words they are met with a reaction. They are met with something from God that they did not expect. Listen to what they're met with. Romans 1 and 22. Listen to what happens. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed or exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. The glory of God has its own glory and, and that is part of what you and I must love if we love the Lord our God with all our hearts. We love the glory of God. We learn to admire and seek to see it with the eyes of our soul, the greatness and the glory of God. But men exchange the glory of God. They want something else. They trade it away. In your day and in my day, it's nice retirement plans, it's nice vehicles, it's nice homes, it's physical pleasures. Men exchange the glory of God for these things instead. And look what happens. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, change the glory of the incorruptible into an image 
made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Some of these images are idols like tribal people have. Some of these images are just things that you like and you want to have. You're satisfied with what you can see. Beauty. Look at verse 24. As men respond to the truth that God had planted in them, which we had already read about, God has placed it within them. Verse 19 says that. God has shown it to them and He has placed it in them. Therefore, since they exchanged this, they respond to God in this way by turning away from God. It says, God gave them up to uncleanness. Their reaction to God and His words and His ways turns into their own future. God gave them over to uncleanness, it says, in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and for this reason God gave them up to vile passions God hardens and God makes dull God puts people in a stupor because when they hear his words when they see his glory they see it and they turn away from it. They don't want it. They want the world's glory. They want the glories of the flesh. They want these things instead. So what happens when men respond to God in this way? What happened to Israel when God presents Himself to them in all His glory first in the giving of the commandments and then in provision after provision for them? What we're talking about here back in Romans 11 is a people whose discernment is broken. They, they, they're not discerning right from wrong and good from bad. They're not discerning what is honoring to my God. What is right for my God? How do I love my God? They have, they have chosen a different way to live. What happens when people hear God's counsel to them as a father speaks to his son, as a mother speaks to her child? When that child hears and receives from the wisdom and instruction of their parents and receive it, those children flourish. Those children grow. Those children are in a warm relationship with their parents and their family. What happens to the children who hear the wisdom and instruction from somebody who is wise and someone who can instruct them and they refuse it and they turn away from it? What happens to them? They go further into more and more darkness and their appetite for truth becomes weaker and weaker. Their dullness becomes more dull. Their ignorance becomes more ignorant. And because of this, because that this had happened among the Israelites, what we read in the end of the passage we were reading a moment ago, Romans 11 verse 10 was the end of what David said, let their eyes be darkened. Romans 11:10, let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their back always. Look at verse 11. I say then, 
Have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So what he is explaining about the condition of the Israelite who is not a God-fearing nation. There are people who are into their own goals, their own priorities. Paul explains that this turned into the opportunity. This turned into the reason that the gospel then goes to the Gentiles. Here's what he means. I'll explain it quickly. It's in Acts 13 and verse 46. How did this turn into gospel preaching and teaching to Gentiles? Why did the message now become the message that would go to the Gentiles? Acts 13.46 Paul and Barnabas have been preaching and explaining the gospel of Christ. Here's what they say. Paul and Barnabas grew bold. They said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, you Israelites first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you apostles, I added that word, as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So Israel has stumbled is, is what we're seeing here. Israel has fallen here is what we're being explained in chapter 11. They stumbled for many reasons and among them are when the Lord Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does the Israelite think when the Lord Jesus asks a good Jew to repent? They think, I don't have anything to repent of. The Israelite listening to the preaching of Jesus is offended by the preaching of Jesus. They say, I've never killed anybody. I've never stolen anything. They are all righteous in their own eyes. Speaking to the Lord Jesus, the Jews say in Matthew 12, verse 38, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered and he said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Now, if you're reading with me, I'm just going to pause here. Why will the men of Nineveh rise up and condemn the people of Israel at the end of the age? Why will they look at the Jews of Jesus' day and say, you men are guilty, you men are fools, you men are judged. Why will the people of Nineveh say that? Because they heard the preaching of Jonah and they believed God and they repented and God spared them. That's why. The Israelites are offended at the preaching and teaching of Jesus they stumbled at the preaching of the Lord 
Jesus. They were offended by the truth of the Lord Jesus. And when you think about it, someone who is angry at the truth or offended by the truth is going to end up in hell. Being angry at the truth will condemn you. Romans 11 is just teaching us that the Jews have stumbled, the Israelites have stumbled so that the gospel will move on to the Gentiles. So we're going to speak for a moment about hardening in faith. The hardening of the Jews or the stumbling of the Jews. How, how they resisted and they took their stand against the Lord Jesus. And we're going to speak about faith. God's hardening toward the Jews had become an opportunity for you. All of us are Gentiles. The gospel being sent to the Gentiles first happened and first came because the Jews had hardened their hearts against the Christ. And the scriptures here say that there is a slumber or a stupor that is affecting or can affect the eyes and the ears of God's people, not his people. Their dullness and their blindness and their deafness this stupor made God's people, the nation of Israel, not his people. Because they would not receive his words. The words we read in Romans chapter 1 a moment ago says God has put his witness in the hearts of all men. He has put his witness of his person in the hearts of all men. So when men are warned about what their problem is, we're going to wonder about their sleepiness. We're going to wonder about what they can see. We're going to wonder about what they can hear. When they're warned by the Lord Jesus, can they hear? Can they see? Can they understand what he's saying? The Lord Jesus instructs a man, don't love your sin. Don't love your sin. Love God. Leave your sin. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the words come into the mind of the person whose discernment is weak. When the Lord would compel you and I to follow him and to love him. And to serve Him. Words come into our heads. Words begin to threaten us with how inconvenient it might be. Or with what money it might cost us. Or what time and trouble it would cost us. To become true followers of Christ. You know where those words come from? Those words are just like the words in the beginning of the book of Genesis. When... Satan asks Eve, has God really said? When you and I hear the call of the Lord Jesus to come to Him and to follow Him and to walk with Him, 
and to trust Him and Him alone for eternal life, words will come into your mind. Words will begin to challenge the wisdom of fully going after Christ. And you will begin to doubt that it's wise. Your flesh will begin to tease you at the losses that you would endure for following the Lord Jesus. And then you will have a fight in your mind and in your heart. The words of Satan. Did God really say? You'll begin to doubt God's word. You'll begin to doubt what the Lord Jesus actually taught. And remember what we read just a moment ago when we were reading our reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Tim, Timothy was told, know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Why are you to turn away from them? Because they are whispering words. Along with Satan, love your flesh more than God. Love your excuses. Follow your heart. The Jews did this very thing. The Jews would not be persuaded. They would not love the Lord because they wanted the women from the other lands, they wanted the money from their trade on the Sabbath. They wanted these things and they did not want God. What happens when they turn their hearts away from the Lord? What happens when they reject God's words? What happens when they love these things more than the Lord Himself? What happens? There is a reaction that happens in their hearts. And a stupor begins to take over. Dumbness begins to take over. Blindness begins to take over. This is the preaching of Paul. This is the preaching of the Lord Jesus. This is the preaching of the gospel. It is, it is the light of God's word right there in front of your feet. And so when we hear this and when we know this, what we do is we, we recognize the truth of God's word. And we have to repurpose in our hearts. We will be lovers of truth. Loving the truth is how we honor the word of God. It's how we enjoy God's presence and his favor with us is when we hear His words, we love His words. Don't be like the rich young ruler who came to the Lord Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And when the Lord Jesus gave him His answer, he turned and walked away. It made him sad to think what the Lord said to him. He didn't really want to hear the Lord's words. Are there words that the Lord has spoken to you? Are there, are there convictions that God has given to you? And you've hardened your heart against them and you've turned your heart against the living God? Has this happened in your own heart and in your own life? And I would plea with you like Paul, soften your heart to the Lord. Hear His words. Spend more time in His word. Teach your heart to love His word. Teach your heart to trust Him. Ask Him, Lord... Don't let me be hard. 
Don't let me reject you. Help me to trust you, Lord. Help me to walk with you, Lord. Help me to be fruitful for you in my knowledge of you and your word, Lord. Help me, Lord. God does not save people who make up their own religion. He saves those who humble themselves and they come to Him in repentance and faith and say, Lord, save me. I am yours. Trust the Lord Jesus who rose from the grave. Submit to the Lord Jesus who is the Lord of those who have both died and risen with Him. Have you died and risen with Christ? Have you died to the sinful world that has taken hold of the lives of this world? Have you repented of that and put your faith in Christ? I hope so. I hope you have. Trust God and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus and His promise of eternal life and walk with Him. Let's close in a word of prayer. O great God of heaven, God of the gospel that had come through Paul and through Christ and through the apostles, O Lord God, when we consider the hardness of Israel's heart and how they had become blind and hard-hearted, Lord, we know the same thing can happen to us. O God, I pray for your help. I pray you would give every man and woman in our congregation faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has become our righteousness our hope of standing in the day of judgment Lord God we love you and we praise you and we commit our way to you Lord in Christ's great name we pray Amen Okay, we are going to um, actually, when you guys are ready uh, for to go ahead and start our meeting, if you just send me a text, Jackie, then I, w- I will know that we- I've got uh, two minutes to get ready, okay? So when you guys are ready, just shoot me a text.